Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Lessons of the Woods by 10 Point Whitetails. I'm your host, Dylan Porter, and with me I have our co-host, Kyle Weber, who is sticking his tongue out for some reason. And I am using this take. So, there. Kyle, your tongue is out for the world to see. <laughs> We're going to be rated our podcast. Ugh. Ew. Uh, this week... I'm going to do my best to explain some of the crazy gun laws that are coming forward in Minnesota. I uh, literally watched my dad, Steve Porter, give a talk on these last night. I still have his slideshow, so I'm going to kind of steal it here. I, I mean, I built it. I built the slideshow for him. And I ran it when he gave the talk. So now I'm just going to kind of rehash what's going on. But Minnesotans crazy legislation is trying to come our way. I believe this is to be voted on in May. And if I'm wrong, I'm sorry. But they're going to make it impossible to own guns in Minnesota. Just you wait. So Kyle's never heard any of this. Even though I sent him the video to watch, he doesn't do anything I want him to do other than stick his tongue out at me on a podcast. I'll watch that video when you get our hunting video done. I might have that done tomorrow then. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'm going to share this with our viewers so they can see what I'm talking about here. So, Just note that when I was giving you a hard time about Ace and all that footage, I have yet to mail you the footage. So, Yeah, you've only sent me one of the what, what needs to be done here. So... I gotta turn my furnace off because that's running. Yes, I cool my house off so people can see what I'm doing. So people don't hear it when I'm recording podcasts. It's only like 10 degrees out. No big deal. All right. So these are the rules that are coming in Minnesota. Not all of them. It's like 2,000 pages from what I understand. This is crazy. Uh, If you've never read a statute before, Anytime stuff is underlined, that is what is proposed to be changed. And at the time of this recording, this is all not officially passed. This is March 7th today when we record this. Uh, So if it's underlined, that means it is a new piece of legislation. If it's struck through, that means they're getting rid of that language in the previous legislation. And if it's not underlined, that's the current legislation. So this is a brand new law, legislative section one, legislative intent and purpose. And the actual number is Minnesota SF-1723. Okay, go ahead, look it up. So to protect life and liberty of Minnesotans from gun violence by people who would deny them those rights, it is necessary to implement a rational regulatory system for firearms similar to Minnesota's longstanding system for licensing drivers and registering motor vehicles. So they stay right off the bat. We want a similar system. But the difference is with your motor vehicle, those are accidents when people die. And most people, when 99% of gun deaths are accidents. So that kind of makes sense. But they push it too far. So we're going to get into that. Possession and transfer of firearms. We're going to skip down to where our wonderful legislators in Minnesota tell us that they are not infringing on our rights. 
they tell us because they think that we're not going to read the whole thing, right? So if they tell us in the law that it doesn't infringe our constitutional rights, it says nothing in this legislation infringes on the constitutional right to keep and bear arms. If you're sticking it in there, I'm pretty sure it does because you shouldn't have to stick it in there, right? Why are they putting that there? A little bit concerning. So subdivision one, Database 299A.07, Database of Firearm Registrations and Transferees, Rules Required. Commissioner of Public Safety shall establish a computerized central reporting system and maintain a database of firearm registrations and transfers. Okay, sure. Shall. Shall establish computerized central reporting system. Okay, so that kind of sounds like a reporting system might be red flag law. I'm not 100% sure. I am not, by any stretch of the imagination, a lawyer. I do not have a law degree. I am basing my talk here off what I'm currently reading and how I interpret it, but two people can read this and have completely different interpretations. But I do know commissioners are appointed. They're not an elected official. So that means our wonderful governor can uh, appoint the commissioner of public safety and the Commissioner of Public Safety shall establish and design a computerized central reporting system and have a database of firearm registrations and transfers. Okay, great. So now they know everybody that owns guns in Minnesota. That's new rule that they want to have in place. Okay. Perfect. You know who's going to register their firearms? Law-abiding citizens. You know who doesn't cause gun problems? Law-abiding citizens. But now we'll have a registry of all the law-abiding citizens and who has guns. Great. Okay. The commissioner shall adopt rules. Wait, 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 wait. You're telling me in the legislation, the commissioner will be given the power to just come up with rules. Just come up with rules, whatever you want. Just come up with rules. Great. So we're passing a law to give somebody a power to just make up rules without voting on them. Sounds pretty cool, right, Kyle? I'm reading the rest of it. Sorry. Yeah, we uh, uh, we're we're gonna touch on the stuff that's highlighted mostly, uh, but it's it gets pretty crazy here. And if you go through and if you were to type out the the summary of what each of these rules or laws that they're trying to pass says, it's like that's kind of reasonable. But then you dig into the actual terminology they're using, it's like and that's, that's what you have messed be, up. And that's what you have to be careful with is shall and could shall and adopt and uh, shall and may are two very yes. different words okay yep. so subdivision one pistol carry a person who's applying for a permit to carry a pistol shall obtain and continuously maintain a policy of liability insurance specifically covering any damage re resulting from negligent or willful acts involving the carrying of a firearm no permit issued no permit to carry shall be issued unless the applicant provides proof of insurance so if you own a gun, specifically a pistol in this one, but it does go on to say the rest of the guns. If you own a gun, you have to have liability insurance on that gun. Period. End of story. You have to have it in Minnesota. You can't even get your permit to carry without a proof of insurance. Kind of sounds like a vehicle, right? Now you might say, well, that's reasonable. Let's get insurance. That way if something happens, it's covered. Well, it's liability insurance. So what that means is you are liable. It's not if something happens to your gun. It's if your gun damages something 
That's not let's, supposed to. Let's say it goes off and shoots through a window. Mm-hmm. Your insurance covers the window. And I think insurance is the best legal gang mob fake. I mean, it's such a corrupt system too. Pay in, pay in, pay in. You barely get anything back, but you're covered. No, I, I, I when you start talking that government's going to force insurance, it's like Billy patting Bobby's back. No. Yep. So I was informed last night of a insurance company for that's already that's been advertising insurance for guns for years. I think it's UCAA. I'm not 100% sure. It might be UCCA. I don't remember, but USAA? No, nah, it's not that. That's different. Okay. This is a gun, say, this, that's not That's not it. This is a gun specific insurance company. And right. they their insurance policy states somewhere in there. I didn't read it. I was told this by a friend. It states that if you lose a court case with our insurance for whatever the insurance is for, you pay for everything out of pocket too bad. All the legal fees, everything. We don't cover any of that. Too bad. Sorry. So sad. So great. Now, okay. So if it's 50 bucks a month per gun and you have 10 guns, that's 500 bucks per month for 12 months. They will price this out. And as soon as something happens in Minnesota, they are going to add to the cost of the insurance because insurance companies can arbitrarily raise their rates whenever they want. Yep. So great. We'll no longer be able to afford guns, but it gets worse. Firearm ownership. A person who intends to own a firearm. So if you're thinking about owning a gun, prior to owning that gun and during, you have to have a policy of liability insurance specifically covering any damages resulting from any negligent or willful acts involving the use of a firearm while it is owned by the person. So if you are thinking about owning a gun, you shall, prior to purchasing it, go get a policy of liability insurance. And then you must maintain it for each firearm you own the entire time you own them. Fantastic. Great. This is where some of it gets really dumb, okay? Uh, No, we're not to the really dumb part yet. For purposes of this section, a person is considered to own a firearm if the firearm is lost or stolen until the loss or theft is reported to the chief of police or sheriff. Which means if you're gone on vacation and your gun gets stolen while you're gone and they shoot somebody... You are liable because you didn't report it because you're gone. You didn't know what happened. You're liable as the owner. Great. Good deal. Okay. You are held liable. Good, Good to know. Existing permit or ownership. A person with an existing permit to carry or who owns a firearm on the effective date of this section needs to have insurance by January 15th, 2024. So if you live in Minnesota, you own a gun, and this law passes, you need to have liability insurance by January 15th, 2024. Less than a year. Mm -hmm. And then, amount of coverage. The commissioner of commerce, an appointed official, shall set a minimum amount. We don't know what it is right now. They just get to decide how much coverage you need to have, and it's satisfactory to the commissioner. So the commissioner will be like, everybody needs a million-dollar policy. Or everybody needs a $1,000 policy. We don't know. We're going to try to sign something into law that we don't know. It's just going to be decided by somebody else. Really? Really. Okay, great. 
<sighs> so, 624.7135, ownership and possession of firearms, license required. No person may own or possess a firearm in this state unless the person has a valid current license issued by the Commissioner of Public Safety under this session. So you know what that means? This is really fun. That means, Kyle, if you want to come hunt in Minnesota with a rifle, you need to get a Minnesota license to own a rifle to come hunt here. Wow. Now, what do you suppose the age limit is on this this, this uh, license requirement? They don't say here. They maybe say somewhere 18? else. So 18. We'll say it's 18. So that means you cannot buy and give a gun to your 16-year-old kid. Can't do it. They are not allowed to possess said firearm. Without insurance at that. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Cool. Continuation here. The background check certificate issued within 30 days by chief of police or the municipality in which a person resides, or if there is no chief of police, by the sheriff of the county. So prior in Minnesota here to get a permit to carry, which is what we're going to equate this license to. Permit to carry allows you to carry a pistol. You don't need one of them to go rifle hunting. Don't need it. Permit to carry also allows other things. I am not up to date on what all that does, but they're different things. Okay. Previously in Minnesota, to get your permit to carry, it has to be issued to you by your sheriff. Okay. They are going to change that to say chief of police or sheriff. And they say that many, many times in the future of what we're going to talk about here. Why? Because your chief of police is appointed. Your sheriff's elected. Your sheriff answers to you, the people. Your chief of police does not. They answer to a board of commissioners who are also appointed. Fantastic. All right. But you got to have a background check. Usually it used to go through the police, for the, through the sheriff. Now it's going to go through the chief of police. Okay. Got to have your background check to get your license to own a firearm. Fantastic. To also to get your license, you need to have a firearm safety certificate accepted by the Department of Public Safety. What does that have to do with anything? Do you know where you get your firearm safety certificate in Minnesota? You get it at gun training when you're 12 years old. That's when you get it. Now they're going to change that. So now it needs to be, you need to have it because you don't need a firearm safety certificate to purchase a gun. Right. In Minnesota. Don't need it. Got to be like over 18 or 21, probably 21. There's a bunch of different stuff. I haven't bought a gun for a while, so I don't remember what all you need. A lot of this is common sense. Background check. Great. Okay. Now we got to get the DNR involved and everybody owning a gun and the Department of Public Safety that shows proof and the ability to safely store the, not ju- you need proof of the ability to safely store and own and transport and use a firearm. So what's that going to be? Proof of the ability. That's not just writing on a piece of paper, is it? No. Do I got to take you through my house? And there's the safe. There's my. There's how I clean it. And then mm-hmm. this is my cases. To ho- okay. Great. Then you need your proof of liability insurance. Great. Okay. Then the commissioner may charge the applicant a reasonable fee to cover the cost of the licensing process. Okay. So again, here's a fee. Arbitrary. We don't know how much yet. 
whatever the commissioner determines is a reasonable fee. Is that 50 bucks? Is it 100 bucks? 1,000 bucks? Is we it each know. gun? Well, yes. Well, no, this is to get your license to own guns. Okay. okay. Penalties. Person who fails to carry a license in violation of... A person who fails to carry a license in violation of this section is guilty of a pest, petty misdemeanor. Okay? So if you don't carry your license and you get caught with a gun while not carrying your license, it's a petty misdemeanor. Now, Dad said yesterday in his video, I don't remember what all it is, certain certain things are jail time, certain things are fines, or a combination thereof, different quantities, right? Petty misdemeanor, barely a slap on the wrist. A person who does either of the following is guilty of a misdemeanor. Own a firearm without registering it. By the way, guys, you got to register all your guns, each, each of your guns. Or own or possess a firearm after your license expires. So that means if you don't keep up your license to own guns and it expires by a day because you missed it in the mail, you're guilty of a misdemeanor immediately. Now, is that one misdemeanor per firearm or one just because? And they know. They know because you registered your firearms with them, you got a license to own your firearms, and then it expires and they know before you do. Great. Fantastic. If you do any of the following, you are guilty of a gross misdemeanor. Own or possess a firearm without having first obtained a license under the section. So if you own a gun, as of the effective date of this legislation, should it pass, and you own a or possess a firearm that you haven't gotten the license yet, Gross misdemeanor. Got to get your license. Own or possess a firearm after a license issued under this section has become valid except through expiration. So there's other ways for your license to possess firearms to become invalid, whether it be a crime, other ways. I think they do explain some of them. You're guilty of a gross misdemeanor if you still own a gun after that point. Own or possess. Possess simply means it's in your house. Yeah. Or in your truck. I mean, even it's sillier that it's in, if it's in your basement or if Dylan comes, if I come over there. And he uh, accidentally you know. leaves a gun here for a week. I currently possess it and then I can be get a gross misdemeanor. Yeah. Yeah. Even if, if you don't have a license, your license. So also you're guilty of a gross misdemeanor. If you make a false statement in order to obtain a license or you transfer a license in violation of this section. Okay, the court shall notify the commissioner when a person is a, is convicted of a violation under this section, except for a petty misdemeanor violation under paragraph A. Upon receipt of the court's notification, the commissioner shall revoke or deny issuance of the person's license to own or possess a firearm for a period of three years for a misdemeanor violation under paragraph B and ten years for a misdemeanor for a gross misdemeanor under violation under paragraph C. So that means. You could lose your ability to own or possess a firearm for up to 10 years. If you don't do things 100% correct. So everybody keeps saying on Facebook, well, they're not coming after our guns. They're not coming after our guns. No, nah, but they're sure making it pretty dang hard to own them. Because they know that'll get shot down. They got to... They got to... They got to squeeze us out gently. Yep. Okay. Moving on. 
Firearm transfers. This one's really interesting. So this is six point six two four point seven one three six firearm transfers requirements. Notice how these have all been completely underlined thus far, meaning it's all brand new laws. These laws do not exist in any capacity at this time. Definition. They want to say what the definition of the word transfer is. As used in this section, transfer has the meaning given in section 624.712, subdivision 6, but does not include the delivery of firearm to a person for the purpose of repair, conditioning, reconditioning, or remodeling. So that's not transferring a firearm. A loan by a teacher to a student in a course designed to teach marksmanship or firearm safety in the presence of the instructor if the course is approved by the Commissioner of Public Safety. So that means in our gun training, if you borrow the teacher's gun for your field day, that's not considered a transfer. However, a loan between persons lawfully engaged in hunting or target shooting, if the loan is intended for a period of no more than 30 days and both persons are licensed to possess firearms, that is a transfer, which means, Kyle... If you come hunting with me and I and your gun breaks and I say, here, use this gun for the day, that is a firearm transfer. Okay? Which means... Not technically. Go no, back. A transfer is... No, I may, but does not include. Okay, I'm wrong. I am wrong. Does if not I, include. If, if I if give you're you my gonna, gun... If you're going to use it for more than 30 days. If I gave you my gun, I said, hey, man, so it's September 1st, but I'm coming back on October 15th. I'm just going to keep it here. That's that's transfer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I'm just not trying to critique. I'm nope. just, I, I miss the but, but does not include. Okay. So that's good to know. Hunting or trapping, if the hunting or trapping is legal, whatever. While in actual presence of the transfer, provide that any transfer under this clause is permitted only if the transfer has no reason to believe that transferee is not is prohibited by federal law from buying or possessing firearms or not entitled to under state law. If the transferee is under 18 years of age, it must be under direct supervision and control of the transferer, which means you cannot allow anybody under 18 years of age to use a firearm if you're not present. Ever. Cool. Some people might take that the wrong way, but firearm, how many of us have sent kids in the woods between the ages of 12 and 18 with a 22 to go whack squirrels? Right. Everybody Absolutely. does. Absolutely. Okay. And then they cover cops. Cops don't have to sign transfers, uh, loan between employees, employees between employer and an employee. A loan between employees or between the employer and an employee in a business if the employee is required to carry a firearm by reason of employment and is the holder of a valid permit to carry a pistol. Then you don't need to file the for a transfer. But at the time of the delivery of a firearm or loan of a firearm under these clauses, the transferer and the transferee shall each retain a document signed by both parties. The document shall contain the names and license numbers of the transferer and the transferee, serial number of the firearm or firearms, and the dates of the temporary transfer, not to exceed 30 days. But before they said it has to be longer than 30 days, but now it can't exceed 30 days. I don't know, that's kind of contradictory. The commissioner shall develop and provide a standardized form for temporary transfers. So we have to notify the state have the paperwork on us with all of the information in the world. 
Cool. Each person must have a firearm license at this time, or it's illegal. No person may transfer a firearm to another unless the transferee prevents a valid current license to own and possess the firearm issued under the previous section we discussed. So, Kyle, I can't borrow you a gun if you don't have a Minnesota firearms license. Right. I want to come up and hunt at the farm. Can't do it. I forgot my gun. Darn it. Ah, Shoot. Turn around and go home. See you later. Every person who agrees to a transfer of a firearm shall report the following information in writing to the commissioner of public safety within three days of the transfer. In writing. So now we have to rely on our post office to get it there within three days. What? My stuff won't go two weeks without it. My mail? Yeah. I can mail something and it doesn't get there for two weeks. Yep. So do we have to drive to the Twin Cities every time we want to borrow a gun? How do we do this? Great. Okay. Moving on. At the time of the transfer, the transferor shall give the transferee a temporary registration card. The temporary registration card shall contain all of the information described above and shall be valid for 30 days following the day of the transfer. Expiration date of the transferation registration card shall be complete, clearly displayed on the card. More paperwork. It's an 8 by 11 sheet of paper. Mm-hmm. So you got to have the registration card, temporary registration card, got to have a copy of the transfer paper each, and you have to mail it all. Each. And you each have to card. mail it all. And the you guys got you and I got to hold the two four two pieces of paper that are signed to agree. Mm-hmm. Then, once this has all been received, the commissioner shall record the transferee's name, license number, and firearm seal number in the database. They shall issue a permanent registration card to the transferee within thirty days. But you're 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 not allowed to have it for more than thirty days. The commissioner may charge a transferee a reasonable fee. Another reasonable fee. Determined by the commissioner. So are we going to have to spend like between two to $700 above and beyond the cost of a firearm just to transfer a firearm or sell a firearm or purchase a firearm? Probably. Plus your insurance. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, this is just tailing off on the end of that. Federally licensed firearms dealer are exempt from that. Good. Good for them. Uh, Subsequent transfers, blah, blah, blah. Registration card becomes invalid whenever the person becomes... So if your registration card is valid until you resell the firearm or you become ineligible to possess a firearm. Okay, all the paperwork. Penalties. A person who transfers a firearm to another in violation of this section is guilty of a gross misdemeanor. A person who does any of the following is guilty of a felony. If you transfer a firearm to a transferee whom the transferer knows that it is, it, they are ineligible to possess the weapon if the transferee possesses or uses the weapon within one year after the transfer. So if you transfer your gun to somebody who doesn't have all their paperwork in order and then they commit a crime you get a you felony. get a felony 
And then guess what? If you're a felon, you can't own firearms. Even though you did nothing wrong, they just can come and take them away. But we're and not coming after your guns. And transfer a firearm to a transferee whom the transferer knows is ineligible. That's all proof in point. Like, you could have zero understanding that, hey, you got your thing. Hey, you got your stuff. Hey, uh, you got, okay, you're good to go. Here's the gun. See you later. Mm-hmm. Six months later, they shoot somebody and they go, well, you, he didn't have all this stuff. And you go, I don't know. Look and they go, well, we me. can prove that you you knew that he wasn't ready or, you know, mm-hmm. legal. So it's a proof in point. Like they can prove it six months later that you didn't, that you did know and you can get a felony for it. Mm-hmm. Okay. More transfers to where you can get felonies. If you transfer it to somebody who has made a false statement in order to become a transferee. So that one doesn't say you have to know. Ah, wait, maybe it does. If the transfer knows or has reason to know the transferee has made a false statement. Yeah. Well, now they're legislating on whether you know or not. But do Which you I, know? That's what I mean. Is, but they can assume. How you can they tell you you know or don't know, and something that happened six months ago or, or a year ago? So. Okay. Registration required by January first, twenty twenty four. Every person who owns a firearm must register the firearm with the commissioner of public safety. Registration must be in writing and contain name and address, the number of the license authorizing the owner to own or possess a firearm. So you have to get your license to own a firearm. You have to get your insurance to own a firearm. Then you can own a firearm, but then you have to register the firearm. And the serial number of said firearm. Okay. So then it says that they'll record it. Now the commissioner will have your name, license number, and firearm serial serial number in a database. Good to know. That way they know if your gun gets stolen, but you didn't report it, you still own it. Even if it's used in a crime, that's why you're a felon. You're liable for anything that happens. Yeah, but you've really just been in Cancun for three months, mm-hmm. living your best life. Yeah, but you're you're responsible. All, pri- all data pertaining to registrations under this section are classified as private data. Well, that sounds great, right? But if this law passes... Why wouldn't next year they can make it public data? Right? Because what happens if it's private data, that means you can't do a data request. That means no newspaper can contact the commissioner of public safety and say, hey, we want a data request on this firearm to know what happened with this crime. Can't give you that. Sorry. Okay. But once it's public data, that means they can do a data request and see that Kyle transferred a gun to Dylan on this date and we can get more people in trouble. So that yep. that's going to change. There's no way that's going to stay the same. Currently private. Not then. Now, we're in a different section here. So granting a denial of permits. See how it's not all underlined anymore? This is law that exists. So the law used to read, the sheriff must, within 30 days after the date of receipt of application packet as described, issue the permit to carry or deny the application for a permit to carry solely on the grounds that the applicant failed to qualify under the criteria described in subdivision two paragraph B or deny the application on the grounds that there exists a substantial likelihood that the applicant is danger to self or public if authorized to carry a pistol under a permit. So as I understood it, we had two sheriffs at the meeting last night. One of the sheriffs, two prior sheriffs at the meeting last night, one of the sheriffs said he, he did a lot of permits in his time as sheriff. 
And he said, if you deny them and you don't have a legitimate reason, you can get sued. You can get sued as sheriff. And then if you pay all the fees, if you lose, out of your own pocket as sheriff. But now it says a chief of police or sheriff, and they want you to go to your chief of police first, as stated earlier. Yep. Okay. And they removed, see how it struck through, under the criteria described in subdivision 2, paragraph B. So earlier in this there was an law, there was an outline that they failed to qualify under this information. Now they yep. can just fail to qualify with no no why. They just fail to qualify. But it's chief of police, so it can be your county commit, your city commissioner board saying, we don't want them to have a gun. Or we don't want anybody to have to have guns. So everybody fails to qualify. Chief of police, make it so. Cool beans. Here we are. What'd they get rid of here? Failure of the sheriff to notify the applicant of the denial of the application within 30 days after the date of the receipt of the application packet constitutes issuance of the permit to carry. So... In the past, if the sheriff failed to tell you within 30 days of getting your packet, if you receive, if you did, were denied, that means you get your permit to carry because the sheriff's not doing things right. But now they're removing that. And then it says the sheriff must promptly fulfill the requirements under paragraph C to deny the application. The sheriff must provide the applicant with written notification and a specific factual basis justifying the denial under paragraph A, clause 2, or 3, including the source of the factual basis. They struck all that out. Now, this section says, the chief of police or sheriff must inform the applicant of the applicant's right to submit within 20 business days any additional documentation relating to the property of the denial. So he doesn't have to tell him if it's denied anymore. And if he, if the sheriff doesn't have his ducks in a row, you don't get your permit anymore. Mm -hmm. But he can tell you if you need more documents. Upon receiving any additional documentation, the chief of police or sheriff must, doesn't say must anymore, it says may, reconsider the denial and inform the applicant within 50. Used to say. So now it currently says, and inform the applicant within 15 business days as a result of the reconsideration. Any denial after reconsideration must be in the same form and substance as the original denial and must specifically address any continued deficiencies in light of the additional documentation submitted by the applicant. The applicant must be informed of the right to seek a de novo, de novo. review of the denial as provided in Subdivision 12. They got rid of that. Now it just says, upon receiving the additional documentation that you they can ask for, the chief of police or sheriff may reconsider the denial. Not must, may. So if they feel like it, they and can not, And they don't have to inform the applicant. applicant. Nope. Just, <laughs> no. Yep. Great. Oh, went too far. Uh, this one just basically, does, the only changes chief here police, chief is of chief of police, chief of police, chief of police, chief of police. Not sheriff anymore. Chief of police. Um, so this, Submit information to the commissioner regarding the suspension or... Uh, Suspension or revocation for inclusion solely in the database required or permitted under subdivision 15. They got rid See, of solely. So now they can take that information man. other places. Yeah. Great. This will mean that 75% of the permits to carry get denied because the chief of police can just do whatever they want. 
and no answers, no deny, no no reasons why, no justification for any. Yep, just because we felt like it. Notwithstanding paragraphs A and B, the chief of police or sheriff may suspend the application process if a charge is pending against the applicant that if resulting in conviction will prohibit the applicant from possessing a firearm. So that means if you apply for you you apply for a permit to carry, they can just suspend it if a charge is pending against the applicant. This is current law, which means suspend doesn't mean cancel, but pending kind of sucks. I mean, because if you get wrongfully accused of something, guilty until proven innocent, man. Yep, that's not how America was founded. This section is effective as of January 1st, 2023, if passed. So this is passed in May. Your permit to carry, if you haven't gotten it yet, too bad. Yep. And you're, yeah. Mm-hmm. I live in an area with no police chief. So I'm okay. But the rest of you are not. So those are the laws currently being worked on. Do we want to talk about this one too? The Board of Animal Health? <laughs> this is so screwed up too. This is so screwed up. So they're building a new board of animal health, right? This is more legislation. The board previously had six members. They want to open it up to 11. 11 members appointed by the governor. But they got rid of this sentence with the advice and consent of the Senate, four of whom are producers of livestock in the state. And at least one of the four livestock producers is also a member of a federally recognized tribe located in Minnesota and two of whom are practicing veterinarians licensed in Minnesota. So that means... At the time of right now, March 7th, before this gets changed, the current law reads, the board has six members appointed by the governor with advice and consent of the Senate. Four of them are livestock producers that are in the state of Minnesota. And at least one of them, one of the livestock producers is a member of a tribe in Minnesota. And two of them, the other two who aren't currently producing livestock are practicing veterinarians licensed by the state of Minnesota. They want to remove that from our board of animal health. If you're a farmer listening to this in Minnesota, buckle up. They want to change it to the board has 11 members appointed by the governor with two at large members, one member who is a member of a federally recognized tribe, and eight regional members, with no two regional members residing in the same congressional district. To extent practicable, the governor's appointments must achieve gender balance among the board membership. In 2023, with 72 genders, how are they going to fit 72 genders on an 11-member board? How can you get balanced gender ba- gender balance on 11? Even if you're only two, that's still five and six. So that means we need a transgender person on the board. Need it. At least one. Great. Continuing. Wrong screen. Members must be knowledgeable in animal agriculture, animal health, or, not and, or pets and companion animals. So that means if you own a dog or a cat in Minnesota, you're eligible to be on the board of animal health. Because you don't need to be a vet anymore. 
You don't need to be a livestock producer. You need to be knowledgeable or know stuff about pets. Wow. With at least two members who represent the public and are not employed in agriculture. So not only do we not want people employed, we're requiring that there's at least two people who are not employed in agriculture, veterinary medicine, the pet industry, or related field. We want at least two people who have nothing to do with animals on our board of animal health. Great. The commissioners of agriculture, natural resources, the DNR need to be involved in livestock. Cool. And health, the dean of the College of Veterinary Medicine and the director of the Veterinary Diagnostic Laboratory of the University of Minnesota used to say may. Now it's a shall serve as consultants to the board without vote. So that means these people who don't know anything about livestock, but they have cats, they get told and educated by the commissioner of the DNR prior to making a vote about agriculture. Why? Does this make sense to anybody? Any of the stuff that Minnesota wants to do? It's not, it really, I don't understand what the Board of Animal Health is going to accomplish. I... They don't need to be livestock producers anymore. And you know why they're changing this? Because right now, Jim Vaught, I believe is his name. I could have that wrong. Probably have that wrong. There is a gentleman who is currently sitting on the Minnesota Board of Animal Health who is not raising livestock or has anything to do with agriculture in the state of Minnesota. So they want to change the law so he's okay to be there because he hates deer farmers specifically. Hates them with a passion. So they can shut down deer farms. Now, I don't care which side of the fence you sit on. If you hate deer farms, good for you. I don't care. But if you think that livestock producers who raise cattle need the opinions of blue-haired cat-owning women or thems who have no experience with agriculture, no experience with livestock, that's what we need now to make regulations for livestock producers. People who have never stepped foot on a cattle pasture in their entire life. People who have never led a horse by the halter anywhere in their entire life. People who get their knowledge from Disney movies and their cats or their dogs. I'm not that prejudiced. I kind of hate cats. But really? Really? We've become, we've gotten to a place in our world where gender balance is a focus on a livestock committee and livestock owners are not a focus wow i mean it's like kyle you work construction so it'd be like if i was going to develop code for construction built workers for construction buildings but my entire experience with construction is Lincoln Logs when I was seven. But I'm in charge. So you got to do what kinda, I say. Kind of sounds like the building codes as they are. <laughs> Probably. Um. Yeah, it's, it's interesting that 
like you said, there's people on there that maybe haven't ever been on a cattle pasture to deal with that. But I want to go back to the gun laws. Yeah, too. I got off track there. Sorry. No, it's it's good because I'll I'll, I'll say this in summary. If I know anything about passing a law in this case, or a policy, or an ordinance, or a, the the appointment of a chief of police is a very scary thing. Uh, an appointment um, for a committee, you have to be really careful from the outside looking in because it is not an elected official. It's appointed. It can be your buddy's favorite person. Okay? So they can really manipulate. I've been to a, appointed to many boards and many committees. And all it was was like, you interested? I said, sure, I'll I'll jump in on that. Mm-hmm. And I was invested in, in what they're doing. But imagine somebody with more power going, hey, you interested in being on this committee? And by the way, I really need to make sure this happens. Um, so appointment versus elect. The more that you get away from the elected and you go more towards the appointment, a very dangerous slippery slope but i also want to say this when you ask in the past i have tried to get an ordinance i don't know if it was an ordinance it was a policy a policy through and i knew i was going to get some backlash or heat regarding that policy i don't want to say i did it strategically but i knew due to the backlash or the pushback that I was going to ask for that policy to be more aggressive, which I did. It was it was 100% Kyle. It was 100% what I thought, mm-hmm. which isn't good anyways, but what 100% what Kyle thought. And when I got the pushback, we, we ended up meeting in a middle ground. Now, if I would have tried to take their feelings and thoughts into consideration and maybe done it like 60% Kyle wants, but like understanding what they want, they would have pushed back and got us down to like 30%. So in these gun laws, for example, the, the board of animal health, that's a disaster. And if you're not, if you're not a cattle farmer, if you're not a livestock producer based on what's def- defined as a livestock in the state of Minnesota. Um, but to the gun laws, like I can see a lot of, this is what I'll warn anybody listening. They're not going to get it all. No. Everything that Dylan just read, read, all the underlying stuff, all the crossed out stuff, that's not all going to happen if this gets passed. It's the tip of the iceberg is what I read. There's tons more. Yeah, but what they're also trying is to bring this whole big thing up and they're going to they're gonna get pushback and they're going to, oh, you don't like that uh, shell? Okay, we'll take that shell out or that may or could. And... Oh, you don't like definition this? Okay, we'll take this. And oh, you want to specify whether the insurance is on one weapon or all all the weapons? Okay, we'll we'll specify that. And they're, they're going to meet you at 50%, 60%, 70%, on what the lawyers are. Um, and they're still going to accomplish what they want, but they're being over they're, they're asking over they always are overzealous to get one or two things passed. Well, and then what'll happen is you have to decide when it does pass, what are what is being passed? What sneaks through? 
because mm-hmm. they won't even talk about that line on the third page, fifth fifth line down. Like they're gonna hope you miss that because you're so focused on this outrageous one over here on page one, and you're gonna get rid of that, and then you're gonna be like, and I'm and I, they're gonna say, okay, yeah, yeah, we'll we'll get rid of that for you, no worries. Our legislators and, and lawmakers in Minnesota are so clueless; they accidentally legalized CBD. They didn't even know. They didn't know because they don't read it all. Exactly what Kyle is saying. They don't read it all. They hope we make a stink about X, Y, Z, but they don't read it all. 90% of the people listening to this would probably never look at a, a state statute. They don't even know this read is happening. Read your town ordinance. No, I mean, I'll dumb it down for you. Read your t- Go to your town ordinance and read the, read the driveway ordinance. Every town has a driveway ordinance. Read it. And then I want you to read it and then tell me what driveway you need. I want to know how wide, how long, and how deep, and what kind of... Tell me that. Because the way the ordinance is written is the same as this law. All this law that's being uh, presented, it's worded fancy, it's worded hard, it's got a lot of semicolons and <laughs> dashes and quotes, and you're going. they're going to mesmerize you with this stuff, but hope to sneak in page three that really is the hammer home or the start of it. They're willing to lose half of what they presented. Mm-hmm. They're willing to lose half that. But what half? Probably the, anything that is... What they're trying to change is how how you buy... The process of buying a gun. They want to make essence. it more difficult. They also have rules in there that we didn't cover that state. You may not purchase more than one firearm every 30 days. Right. You have to so, store your firearm and your ammunition separately. And if a child... Child under missile statutes can mean an 18-year-old or possibly a 21-year-old, depending on who's reading it. Access is that firearm, which means if your 17-year-old goes youth hunting, gets up in the morning and says, Dad, I'm going, he takes his gun, he takes his ammo, and goes, you're guilty of a felony if that happens without you with him or her. Mm-hmm. You're guilty of a felony. They also well, state if you do not report your gun lost or stolen within 48 hours, that's a gross misdemeanor. So if you're on vacation for a week and your gun gets stolen, your house gets broken into while you're gone, <laughs> you don't come home for three days, gross misdemeanor, too bad. You get jail. I think that's $5,000 fine or 90 days of jail for a gross misdemeanor in Minnesota. Guys, it's going heck in a handbasket. And we're kind of running out on time, but I think Kyle and I could talk about this for a lot longer. But I'm going to say one more thing that's we can prove how hell in a handbasket Minnesota is going. Okay? Minnesota Deer Hunters Association just hired a new executive director. New director. Okay? Now, this is the Minnesota Deer Hunters Association. This is the number one voice deer hunters have at the Capitol in Minnesota. Their previous executive director was a former DNR officer for 30 years who worked exclusively at at lawsuits against farmers. That was his bread and butter. Can't remember his name right now. Chris somebody. Their new guy is a dude named Jared Mazurek. Probably pronounced that wrong. From Grand Rapids. Okay. He worked for the North American Association of for environmental education for six years. And their mission statement, the N-A-A-E-E, says, not going to read the whole thing, 
But because of this anthropocentric view, humans justify certain animal exploitative practices for their benefit. While understanding of animal emotion has emerged from scientific studies, the treatment of animals has not changed. Kind of sounds like PETA. A little bit. So that means the new executive director of Minnesota Deer Hunters Association worked for a company similar to PETA for six years. The Minnesota Deer Hunters Association and Bluffland Whitetails both are giving awards to Rick Hansen and Jamie Becker Finn. I think those are representatives, Democrat representatives. Those two, Rick Hansen and Jamie Becker Finn, are the number two, the two that go after Minnesota agriculture and farmers the most. And guess what? They are co-authors on these bills about deer, about hunting or about guns. So two hunting organizations are giving awards, Legislator of the Year awards, to legislators who are actively trying to remove our guns. Way to go, guys. I applaud you all. I applaud you all. They've been coming after deer farms for years. They're coming after ag. I sat in a room with a bunch of different farmers, and we had a meeting with Scott Jensen when he was running for governor, and Jim Schultz. Guys from all over the state. And they went on for two hours. Each of them individually had problems where the Minnesota DNR had overstepped their bounds and tried to outlaw them or cause them financial damage over and over and over again. We're putting family farms out of business in Minnesota. That's what we're doing as a state. And you're gonna you're gonna breed one or two things. Mm-hmm. You're gonna choke out the gun owners. That's that's what this is doing. What even they get half of their process in, they're going to choke it out. You can't move guns. You can't, whatever. Mm-hmm. But you're also going to make it, going to get rid of Mister McDonald, the man that just farms his ninety acres, his two hundred acres. That he just sells his hay, sells his cattle, but you know whatever. The family farmer who just makes a living, decent living on the dirt that he paid taxes for to the animals that he paid for, they're going to be gone. Mm-hmm. This is the only people that survive. The only people that survive the board of animal health, the, uh, you know, that's not, away from the gun laws and all of that. The people that survive dealing with the DNR and survive dealing with the board of animal health, are people, corporations that can hire lobbyists and hire representatives to go into these boardrooms and sit in these meetings and discuss their their best intentions and, and discuss what they their motivates them and cater and lobby for the rules and regs and laws that cater to that. So corporate farming, 100%. That'll, they will make it because they're going to pay somebody $125,000 a year salary to just go to these meetings and say, well, and I don't, I don't mean this specifically, but Tyson chicken has lobbyists and representatives that go to these meetings and goes, well, yeah, but we need 300,000 chickens in a, you know, 100 by 50 building or whatever, you know, and they're just going to sit there and talk and voice their opinion. And, and what do we got to do to make this pass? Hey, we would really like if we didn't have to deal with the chicken waste, we just dump it out back and mm-hmm. corporate farming will be fine. The big guys will survive. 
It's the small yep. people. So if you're if you own agriculture in Minnesota and you're not doing millions of dollars in business, get ready, you're screwed. I, if you don't have a person that's a rep going to these meetings on a hundred and twenty five thousand dollars salary, if you're not that big, I don't care about acreage. I don't care if it's fifty acres, hundred acres, a thousand acres. If you don't have somebody paid in full, that's good. This person's passed the the bar exam. They've gone six years at school. They're a lawyer. They're a rep. If you don't have a rep that's on salary or on retention, you're gone. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be able to keep it. You're not going to, the DNR are going to shut you down for the land you use, the well you drill, what you, the fertilizer you spread, mm-hmm. the lime you, you spread. They're going to choke you out in the same manner of the gun laws that are not going to do it right today. But in five years, it's going to be awfully hard. And mm-hmm. Department of Agriculture, DNR, um, it, that Mr. McDonald is going to be in big trouble. Yep. They already squeezed out my, me out of my family farm. I My plan growing up was to be a deer farmer. I planned that till I was over 20 years old. My plan was to work the family farm for the rest of my life. My dad sunk his hard energy into it made land that you couldn't do anything with profitable. That was my plan. But seven years ago, eight years ago, we started seeing these laws coming. We're like, man, I'm, I'm like, that's going to get tough. They're going to squeeze us out. So I left the family farm, decided to do something else. Family farm's still going. Barely. If anything that they're trying to push past is we got less than three years. Less than three years. And my dad's entire life, what he worked for, what I wanted to do with my life, what my younger brother wanted to do with his life, is gone. Too bad. Minnesota doesn't care. Minnesota is more democratic than California, more liberal than California right now. And if we, rocks and cows in Minnesota, want that to continue, just sit back and fold our hands as somebody else's problem. Time to stand up, people. Contact your legislators. Contact your representatives. Tell them this is your senators. Contact people and say this cannot happen. And vote. Mm-hmm. And vote. Get out and vote. And pay attention to who you vote for. Yeah. Don't just vote party lines. No. Pay attention. Mm-hmm. Call them. Ask them. Why do you, I get, why do you get my vote? Um, you know. And even for Republicans, it, don't just vote party lines. There's sometimes better people for the job on the other side of the fence. But pick the ones going to listen to the people in your area. They have the legal, maybe not legal, they have the requirement to answer your phone call. Mm -hmm. Unlike some people that don't. (laughs) Robert Gorecki. When you're a representative of the people, you need to respond. Yep. And if you don't, and you can't. And you shouldn't be in that position. Shouldn't be in that position. So it's it's big, kind of ending on a downer. <laughs> but people need to you need to understand what's going on. You need to be out there. You need to be pounding the pavement. You need to know what's going on. And we're not saying hurt people. We're not saying threaten people. We're saying make better decisions. Have conversations. Mm-hmm. Big round table yep. meetings. Get your groups together. You got likewise people in your in your community. Go to your town board meeting. Ask mm-hmm. them. Your town supervisor, your town chairman, 
can reach out to the district representative. The district representative can talk to the governor. The governor can talk to the Senate. The Senate can talk, mm-hmm. go there, be mad, show up to the town board meetings, the county meetings. Uh, they're all public public places, and they all have a public comment in the very beginning. So, Yep. So we're going to stop here, but if you want to watch my dad give that presentation, way better than I did, way more knowledgeable than I am, that is on my YouTube page. Not 10 Point Whitetail's YouTube, but on my YouTube page, look up Steve Porter's Trophy Whitetail on YouTube or search my name, Dylan Porter. I'm working on changing that over to specifically Steve Porter's Trophy Whitetail, but you can find it there. It is given in a church setting, so it's a little bit different than I gave it, but it's better situated. And dad's way more knowledgeable on this stuff than I will ever be. So go listen to it there. If you want to follow us, 10 Point Whitetails on Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram. Look us up. We kind of have fun topics. This one was kind of a downer. But you should be filled with righteous anger. I'll say that in Minnesota. If you want to find us on your favorite podcast apps, you want to use an audio-only version, look up Lessons of the Woods on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and wherever podcasts can be found. We're on pretty much all of them right now. Amazon Music, go find us there. Uh, we talk a lot of fun hunting stuff most of the time, but this is one that had to be done, even if it kind of sucked. So that's where we're at with that. Lessons of the Woods comes out every Friday at 7 p.m. Central Time, and we'll be having more guests on. I think our next recording, we're actually going to meet with who, Kyle? Jessica, is that the right name? Ann. Jessica Ann. Jessica Ann. At The Wild Race. She is a um, advocate for hunting um, with lots of experience. She has a show on, I believe, the Outdoor Channel, if I'm not mistaken. Um, We're moving up in the world. We are moving up in the world. She will be probably our biggest celebrity at, at that point. Um, but she's got a you know charity program to help, and it's, it'll be really exciting to hear what she has going and all of her experiences to this point. I think she's on season two of the wild race. Um, so she'll probably, probably share some of her favorite stories or favorite experiences hunting. I mean, she, I know she's been to Africa. Wow. I know she's been fishing on the ocean, um, bird hunting, deer hunting, elk hunting. She is, she is an outdoor person to say the least. So I look forward to having her on. Sounds awesome. So you heard it here. Now go find us somewhere else. Follow us. We're fun people. Dang it. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back next week.